This is the Roast and Reason podcast. Join your host, Andrew Boyer, as we explore the world of specialty coffee. So grab a cup of your favorite coffee and let's dive in. Welcome to Roast and Reason. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 24 of the Roast and Reason podcast, and welcome to the diverse world of the Arabica coffee plant. In the last episode of the podcast, we explored the differences between the two major species of coffee plant, Caffea Arabica, or the Arabica coffee plant, and Caffea canifora, or Robusta coffee. Now, we're going to turn our attention to the different varieties of the Arabica coffee plant. I've mentioned this concept a few times in prior podcast episodes, but only covered it very briefly and superficially. In the next two episodes, we're going to go into a much deeper look at the different varieties of Arabica coffee. In this episode, we are going to focus on the history of the Arabica coffee plant and how it colonized the world. I feel like this history piece is crucial to understanding some of the Arabica coffee varieties and how they came about. The second episode of this series, so the next episode, will focus on the different varieties themselves. Differences like where they are grown, how they came about, the flavor profile differences, stuff like that. For those of you that listened to the previous episode, this next analogy about coffee varieties is going to be a little bit redundant, but I think it really helps to make a clear point about what we're talking about here. When you're in the grocery store, you can easily tell the difference between the different apple varieties. And what I'm talking about here is you can easily tell the difference between a Red Delicious apple or a Granny Smith apple just by looking at them and certainly by tasting them. And then when you're talking about apples, there are different varieties like Braeburn and Gala, Macintosh, John of Gold, Honeycrisp, Empire, Northern Spy, Cortland, and so on and so on and so on. Do you want to guess how many different varieties of edible apples there are? Would you guess 100, 1,000, 5,000? Would you think I'm crazy if I told you there are over 7,500 apple varieties? Because there are. There are at least 7,500 documented varieties of apples. Each of these varieties produces an apple that looks different from their shape or their color, and they taste different. Odds are pretty good that if I blindfolded you and I gave you a Granny Smith apple and a Honeycrisp, you'd probably be able to tell the difference between them pretty easily. And this is what we're talking about when it comes to varieties of coffee plant. All of these apples are the same species. They're still apples, but they are, each variety is extremely different in its appearance and its flavor. The same thing is true for wine grapes. Most grapes that are used to make wine come from the same species of plant but different varieties exist within that species. Merlot, Pinot Noir, Barbera, Chardonnay, those are all very, very different grapes, and they produce very, very different wines. But they are the same species. They're just different varieties. 
all of this is true and can be said about the Arabica coffee plant as well. There are many different varieties of coffee plant, and these varieties look different. So the plant growing in the ground looks different in terms of leaf shape or color, internodal distance of the plant, and nodes are branch points. So different plants or different varieties of the coffee plant have different internodal different distances. So that's how coffee buyers or farmers can tell the difference. And they produce coffee beans that taste different. Before we go into this any further, I want to warn you of a few things. First, if you prefer to drink dark coffee, and that's fine, that's totally your preference, but you are probably not going to detect subtle taste differences between each of the different coffee bean varieties because the dominant flavor in dark roasted coffee coffee, is the roasting process itself. Second, the flavor differences between the different coffee varieties are much, much more subtle than the flavor differences between different varieties of grape or apples. The difference between a Pinot Noir and a deep dark Barbera or the difference between a red delicious apple and a Granny Smith apple, those are pretty striking. The difference between many of the coffee varieties is not so obvious, but they are there. And after we go over them in the next episode, and with a refined palate, you might be able to pick up some of these differences. So here's how I'm going to approach this topic and discuss each of the different varieties. I feel like the easiest way to do this is to start with the native indigenous coffee plant in Ethiopia where it came from. And then we're going to discuss a bit of the history of coffee and how some of the major different varieties came about. So that's what we're going to do. But first thing I want to discuss is the terminology that I'm using here, variety. So I'm using the word variety or varieties. In the coffee world or the wine world or the plant world, there are several related confusing terms that are sometimes used interchangeably. Variety, varietal, and cultivar. And let's go over these. Personally, I find the difference between each of these three terms to be grammatical, and I don't think it has an actual real-world meaning to the average coffee drinker or even the, the diehard coffee connoisseur. But there are plenty of people who don't agree with me on this. And if you're really into grammar and word usage and semantics, you can Google this controversy. Just Google coffee variety versus varietal versus cultivar or something like that. And you will find a lot of company deep down that rabbit hole. But as far as I'm concerned, from a practical, non-academic approach, it really doesn't frickin' matter. But just so you know, here's the breakdown. Variety refers to a unique strain of plant. In this case, the unique type of Arabica coffee plant or wine grape or apples. So I'm going to personally use the term variety uh, when I talk about these and, and in this podcast. But some people use the word varietal instead of variety. Technically, varietal refers to a beverage made from a variety of something. So a single varietal wine, a Chardonnay, is a beverage made from a single variety of wine grape, the Chardonnay grape. Got it? Confused yet? Yeah, I I am too. Now we're going to throw a third term in there, cultivar. 
Some botanists will argue that a variety is technically only a unique strain of plant that occurs naturally. While some of these coffee plant varieties do occur naturally, many are the result of human intervention. So they were either developed in the lab or developed by crossing one variety of coffee plant with another. And in those instances, those non-naturally occurring types of coffee, botanists will argue that those are best termed cultivars. Does any of this matter to you or to me as a coffee drinker or even to coffee industry professionals? Probably not. Probably not at all. But now, if nothing else, you know that there is a controversy about what to call these things, and I personally choose variety. So let's start our discussion about the history of these different varieties and about the coffee plant with a trip back in history to the birthplace of coffee in the highlands of eastern Africa in the area that is today called Ethiopia. The Arabica coffee plant grew as a wild plant in the Kaffa region of Ethiopia. It was there just doing its own thing, minding its own business, until we as humans found it. And it wasn't long before humans realized that the berries of this plant made for a delicious, nutritious, and energizing, stimulating snack. Historically, it wasn't the coffee beans that we cared about. It was the berries. But eventually, we learned how to roast the beans, and as they say, the rest is history. So back in its native homeland of Ethiopia, the Arabica coffee tree had thousands and thousands of years to evolve. So literally, thousands of different heirloom or native varieties of the Arabica coffee plant arose in Ethiopia. And that's still what we have today. There are thousands of different varieties of the Arabica coffee plant in Ethiopia. Most of these Ethiopian varieties don't have formal names like the varieties elsewhere in the world do. Many of the Ethiopian varieties have common names. So the local uh, villagers or farmers will refer to them by a common name. But we as coffee drinkers in America or Europe don't see that common name. On a bag of Ethiopian coffee, odds are you are going to see something like the term heirloom varieties or native varieties. There are so many different varieties of of Ethiopia coffee plant that it's said that Ethiopia has about 90 to 95% of the uh, genetic diversity of the Arabica coffee plant in Ethiopia, and the rest of the world has about 5%. And there's actually a push of coffee professionals and scientists to start naming and categorizing these Ethiopian uh, Arabica coffee plants. It's just very early on in that process. So thinking back in history, you had all of these different varieties of coffee plant in Ethiopia. Once people realized how valuable and useful coffee was, they started transporting coffee and coffee seedlings throughout different regions of Ethiopia. So it started in this one Kaffa region, and then it spread throughout Ethiopia. Coffee was also transported across the Red Sea and planted in Yemen. Most of this regional transportation, even across the Red Sea, was done by local merchants, as well as Muslim Sufi monks as they traveled the area to spread their religion. But throughout much of Ethiopia and Yemen, there were still many, many different varieties 
of coffee plant with this huge genetic diversity or differences. That was until the great coffee heist. And that kind of sounds dramatic, doesn't it? And I have no idea if anyone else calls, calls it that. I just kind of made it up, but that's basically what happened. So you see, when coffee spread from Ethiopia to Yemen, it was still mostly a regional food and beverage. But once the Turks conquered the Arabian Peninsula and the Ottoman Empire expanded, this was in the early 16th century, that's when coffee really spread around the globe. The Muslim religion prohibited alcohol consumption, so that really created a ripe environment for coffee consumption, and in fact, coffee quickly became known as the wine of Arabia. Coffee quickly spread throughout the entire Ottoman Empire and was eventually introduced to Christian Europe through Venetian traders who traded between Europe and the Ottoman Empire. And it wasn't long before there were coffee shops literally everywhere. The first coffee shop was opened in 1554 in Constantinople. Venice saw its first coffee shop in 1645. England, their first coffee shop in 1650. The first coffee shop in France opened in 1672. And Boston was the site of the first coffee shop in the New World in 1676. And coffee's popularity exploded. And as it exploded coffee quickly became an extremely valuable entity. And the coffee growers in Ethiopia and Yemen knew that they had a monopoly in the coffee industry. They knew they had an extremely valuable crop and they didn't want to lose control over it. So in those days, it was illegal to remove a coffee plant or seeds from Ethiopia or Yemen. They, they would actually boil the coffee beans before they gave coffee beans to anyone to export. And the penalty for being caught trying to steal coffee was death. So clearly they took this really, really seriously. But some ballsy Dutchman was able to smuggle coffee out of Yemen through the port of Mocha. And they transported, the Dutch transported coffee to their colonies in Indonesia. The Dutch went on to set up the first successful coffee farm outside of the Middle East in their colony on the Indonesian island of Java. And this was in the early 18th century. The first shipments of coffee from Java back to Europe occurred in 1719. Now, I want you to imagine just for a second that you are that Dutchman. You're in Yemen and you are looking at the coffee plants. Are you going to carefully inspect the seeds or seedlings that you're taking with you? Are you going to carefully make sure that they are the healthiest plants, they are the most productive, or that you have a wide variety of different coffee plants? Like if you grab 12, are you going to grab 12 different types? Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, when you're, when you're there facing the threat of being killed trying to steal these plants, you're probably thinking, I'm going to grab these things and get me the hell out of here. So when coffee was taken from its native Ethiopia and Yemen, there was a narrowing of the genetic diversity. Think about it. There were all of these different types or varieties of coffee in its native homeland of Ethiopia, and only a handful of plants were taken out of the region, probably very quickly. And then these plants go on to populate basically the entire world 
outside of Ethiopia. It's equivalent to thinking about what would happen if we created a human colony on Mars by taking like five random families from Earth. A ton of genetic diversity that we have in our species would be left behind here on Earth. And that's exactly what happened with coffee. And actually, it happened several more times. So once the Dutch had coffee in Java, they had a ton of success. And coffee production soon expanded to Sumatra and several other of the Indonesian islands. At this point, several coffee, coffee plants were sent back to Amsterdam, and they were cared for in specially designed botanical gardens that were devoted to coffee. Then, in 1720, the Dutch and France reached a military treaty. As part of this treaty, the Dutch agreed to give several of their coffee plants to the French. King Louis XV ordered the coffee plants to be transported to the New World, and he gave that task to a French Navy captain. And the captain was named Gabriel de Clou. So de Clou was supposed to sail across the Atlantic Ocean with a handful of coffee plants and set up a coffee plantation in the French colony of Martinique. According to the story, this transatlantic voyage became pretty hairy, and they had to, wa- they had to ration the water during this voyage. So de Clou shared his portion of the rationed water with the coffee plants to keep them alive. His crew thought he was nuts, and he might have been, but he was successful. And these few coffee plants went on to be planted in Martinique, and they were, they basically fathered a booming coffee plantation in Martinique. From this point, the coffee plants in this original plantation became the source responsible for supplying coffee seedlings that populated basically the, the rest of Central and South America. So nearly all coffee that is grown in Central and South America today can trace its origins and in turn its genetic diversity or lack thereof to the plants that de Clue sacrificed his own water to keep alive during his voyage across the Atlantic Ocean. So all of this historical background now sets the stage for talking about the specific types of Arabica coffee variety. The history is interesting, the stories are engaging and interesting, but there's actual practical information and relevance here. And it really comes back to an understanding of why there are so few coffee varieties that make up most of the coffee production worldwide, particularly out of Ethiopia. So in the next episode, we are going to discuss the common varieties of the coffee tree by name. And we are going to begin our discussion with the most common variety, the Arabica coffee variety that makes up most of Central and South America coffee and traces its origins directly back to De Clou. And that variety is called Tipica, or the American pronunciation, Tipica. But I'll stick with Tipica. So that's what we're going to start with next time. And then from there, we're going to expand into many of the other very common coffee varieties that you might come across. We're going to talk about their differences in terms of where they normally grow. And importantly, as coffee consumers and coffee lovers, I'm going to highlight some of the differences in flavor profile. And so what what might you expect 
if you see a bag that ha- says the variety is Tipica versus Bourbon or vo- versus several of the other very common varieties. So please make sure to join me on the next episode to learn more, and I will see you all next time.